0: Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. welcome back to the podcast everyone this is episode 32 disempowering thoughts i hope you're all having a very lovely day i am excited to be on with you i have been thinking about how we disempower ourselves by indulging in thoughts that rob us of control in our lives and relinquish our power to our circumstances and in my opinion Many, many of us make ourselves victims in our lives. We make ourselves victims to our circumstances, and we think that our set of circumstances means that our future can only be a certain way. Instead of taking ownership of what is possible and just doing the work to make it happen. Now, I hope that doesn't sound harsh, and you're welcome to disagree with me, but hear me out, I wanna share where I think this stems from. And of course, all of this happens on the level of our thinking. So when I'm talking about not taking ownership, not doing the things that have to happen to own the direction of our lives, it always starts with the narrative that we are buying into on the level of our thinking. And so that is where the work has to happen to change our results. So I thought I would share with you four disempowering, Little thoughts or phrases that are so common, you're likely very accustomed to hearing them that you don't even recognize the potential negative impact these thoughts are having. So I wanted to bring them to light and you can send me an email and tell me what you think. Okay. So the first thought is, I don't know. Now I see this phrase, I don't know, used in two different ways. One is when asked a question I don't know is the response when we don't want to put the effort in to press our brains and find the answer. It's a little bit of like a lazy cop-out. <laughs> I say this with full love, okay? But I noticed this with my kids. So when I pick them up from school and I ask them a question like, how was school today? Or like, what did you, le- you learn at school today? Uh, I don't know. And what they're showing me with that answer is that their brain is shut off, they're tired, and they don't want to think. So of course, I've learned to ask better questions, right? what is one thing you learned at school today? Or who did you play with at recess? So like very pointed questions helps getting better answers. But I see this happen with clients too, where if they're presenting a challenge, so we always kind of look at, uh, when I, when I'm with working with clients, it's like share a win. And then we're going to go through a challenge so that we can keep more moving forward in our lives. Right? So when they ch- share a challenge and with coaching, the idea is I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to ask the right questions to try to get you to come up with it. And sometimes when we're trying to problem solve, clients will come back with, I don't know. And I want to challenge you if you're someone who this phrase comes up a lot, to what if I don't know was not an allowed answer? What if you couldn't say that? What if you did know? Right? What if you could guess? What would you come up with? And the reason for that is because when you answer, I don't know, your brain shuts off. Really, that's what happens. That's what happens with my kids. And that's what happens with adults too. When we answer, I don't know, it means I am going to shut off all of that inner wisdom that I could access. Our brains are these miraculous organs. So, so powerful. There's thoughts in research, I think, that we uh, like, I think I've read, like, we use 10% of our brain or something crazy like that. Like We are not tapping into our brain's potential. And when we say, I don't know, we're really just shutting it off. And the challenge is is if I'm working with a client and they say, I don't know, and they're looking to me for the answer, it's like, well, I can tell you the answer, but then my brain is the one being challenged and I am growing. And how does that help you? Right? So what if you did know? What if you could guess? What if you weren't afraid of having the wrong answer or coming up with the wrong solution? What if there was no wrong solution? What if it like, like life is just one big experiment and we're just all kind of stumbling through, figuring things out, trying something, pivoting, trying something else. Okay, that's the, so the first way I hear I don't know used is answering a question. The second way is tacked on to the end of a thought process. So many times people, when expressing their opinions or, you know, responding and they come up with this great answer, and then at the end of it, they just tack, I don't know on the end. Well, you know, I really think we should go ahead with this project and this is why, but I don't know. What that does is it's just introducing self-doubt. It's saying, I'm not really confident in my opinions or ideas, so I'll just tack this on. It's a bit of an out. And that is really disempowering, right? I think this happens frequently with women as well, that we tend to express more self-doubt than men. Obviously, that's generalization, perhaps not universal. But what if you do know? What if we could just be confident in owning our opinions, owning our thoughts, and we don't have to tack the I don't know onto the end? It's usually I don't know, right? Like (laughs) D-U-N-N-O. That's usually how that would be written. I don't know. So just notice if you're coming up with that. Be aware of when you're using it and try to eliminate it. Now, it's not that we're trying to pretend that we're know-it-alls because that's not what this is about. Perhaps there are truly times where you don't know the answer to something. Perhaps you could consider using, I don't have the answer right now, but I'm going to find out, or I will figure this out, or I know who to ask, or I'm going to spend some time considering this. There's just many other options that maintain the idea that you are powerful and you are wise and you have a brain that can be so effective if you allow it to do the work. Now, this comes up sometimes when we're working with our clients where they come and they have this I don't know mentality. And how it shows up is they want us to tell them what to do. I think I've talked about this before, where people who come and say, like, I just want you to tell me what to eat, I just want you to give me a meal plan. It's like, no, you don't. Really like go on to Google and search for a meal plan. And if it was that easy to just have a meal plan and follow it and it worked that way, like we we wouldn't have disordered eating behaviors that are so common. Right. So with Clients who say that, it really is like it's it's this expression of, I don't know what to do. You just tell me everything, and I will just follow these rules. And what we want you to do is just take your power back. We want you to own your choices. We want you to own your life and feel in control of how you're building it and designing it intentionally. Now, where we come along is we partner with you. We give you some guidance. We fill in with our expertise in understanding like thoughts, behaviors, nutrition, and physiology. But you are the expert on your life you are the expert on what makes sense and how you want to build your life with your family and your life circumstances and all of that. So don't relinquish your power to us. Do not expect to come to us and we will tell you everything to do and give you a meal plan that you have to follow. That is what diets do. If you want that, go find another diet. It hasn't worked, but you can keep trying. I'm saying this with all love. That is so disempowering. It's giving all of your power over to something else or someone else. And it's the message that you you can't own your life, so you need rules to follow. And I'm here to tell you that you don't need that. And quite frankly, it feels terrible when someone else tells you what to do, right? That's where punishment and restriction comes from and all that deprivation is when you believe that you don't know so you someone else needs to tell you what to do so stop asking for that <laughs> you have lots of power and you have lots of wisdom and we'll come alongside and we'll coach you and we'll give you guidance but let this let's do this together and let's collaborate okay so the first thought was I don't know the second thought is I'm confused now confusion is an excuse to remain in inaction truth is that a bit Harsh, (laughs) but it's true, right? What if instead of confusion, you just acted on what you do know? If it works, that's awesome. If it doesn't work, okay, let's try something else. Remember, I just, I said earlier, life is one big experiment. We actually have to take action though to be in the game. And confusion is similar to overwhelm. It just keeps us spinning. We're not actually moving forward. We're not doing anything effective in our lives. It completely will steal our power if we let it. Let me give you an example and some context. So in the beginning of our Best Weight program, we provide, so the client will work with the dietitian, and they'll provide guidance in developing an eating protocol that makes sense for that person and figuring out how to balance their plate to help with satiety and appetite hormones. And then they might do some tracking initially to gather data and awareness about their eating habits. So that would happen right at the beginning. And there's an option of using an app. Well, confusion shows up like, oh, I'm so confused how to use this app, uh, or I'm so confused about like, what is the exact amount of protein I should have on my plate? And like, how many grams of this or that, like uh, my macros? It doesn't really matter what's generating the confusion. My point is, instead of doing something, quite frequently, these people will do nothing because they're just indulging in the confusion, right? The the confusion is an excuse not to do something, not to act upon what you do know right? Like there's lots of solutions if you wanted to find them. What if you just wrote it down on a piece of paper? If the app is confusing, okay, honestly, just write it down on paper so you can do some tracking that way. Oh, you're not sure how to balance all three meals? Okay, well, why don't you just start with breakfast, right? You can simplify it and you can find solutions if you don't allow your brain to go to that place where I'm so confused. So, and I'm guilty of this as well. And that's why I want to share this. I'm not, you know, I want to say this with love. I'm not kind of picking on anyone. I want you to take your power back. I want you to own your life. I'm with the, I'm with you on this. So instead of confusion, what if you just took action on what you do know? How could we all effectively move forward if we acted on what we do know and we just took steps, right? Effective action, moving forward rather than spinning in inaction because we're indulging a really unhelpful emotion, which is confusion. Okay. So that was number 2. Number 3 is I'm too fill in the blank. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too uneducated. I'm too poor. I'm too lonely. I'm too overweight. Whatever. I have too many kids. I'm too busy, right? Like we can literally fill that in with so many different adjectives. But my question to you is what are you using to disqualify yourself from the life that you want? Because I've heard all of them. I used to believe it too. I I think I've shared with, with you on the podcast. I used to believe... I don't have enough degrees. I have a ridiculous number of degrees and like letters after my. It's all unnecessary. What if I just had taken action 10 years ago rather than like waiting to feel like I was qualified enough to help people? So what if you just remove all the things that you're using to disqualify yourself? Even in the last month, I think I heard from one person I'm too young, from another person I'm too old. So like at what point are we just right? At what point is life like the perfect circumstance? That's the thing. It's not about our circumstances. It's about the narrative that we tell ourselves. What if you stopped fueling your self-doubt with your attention and your emotions? What if you stopped giving all of your attention to the ways you are not qualified because you are just giving power and influence over to to these stories? And so many people go even beyond that where they argue for their, their limitations. And if you will do that, you'll remain restricted by them. That will keep being the truth of your life if you were going to argue for your limitations, right? Like, oh, you don't really understand. Like, I am so busy. You don't understand what it's like to have five kids. You don't understand what it's like. There are all of these life circumstances, and I'm not diminishing them, but what if instead of I'm to something that we use to disqualify ourselves, we just acknowledge that we're exactly where we're supposed to be? You working two jobs with your th- three children that is exactly where you're so, supposed to be. What if everything in your life led you to this moment and it's right where you're supposed to be? If you've had bad circumstances in your life, you may want to deny this. Like, how can you say that this happened to me? How can you say that that led me to where I am? It's not it's not condoning bad circumstances that you might have experienced or negative things things that have happened in your life. It's just an acceptance of reality. Like, don't fight with your reality. Everything in your life is exactly as it is otherwise it wouldn't be right like like let's just let's just have an acceptance of reality and how do i want to move forward isn't that so much more powerful instead of i'm too young old busy overwhelmed lonely overweight whatever it is it's just an acceptance of this is life this everything has brought me to this place and how do i want to move forward what is possible for me that was number 3 All right, last one, number four. And this one is probably a pet peeve of mine that I'm picking up on more and more. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I think we use the I'm so busy card as a badge of honor. Somehow we have attached it to our identity. And I am guilty of this as well. I've caught myself saying like, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. I actually, I've caught myself, I don't say that anymore. I really try, like I I generally walk around feeling pretty great (laughs) most of the time, but I notice when I ask others, how are you doing? Oh, so busy. And it's just, it's just a habit. It's like their identity is wrapped up in that. And imagine how that feels when you are walking around, believing this thought. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. How much stress, the emotion of feeling stressed out that creates, and I think we create so much suffering in our lives by the narratives that we buy into. Now I, I caught myself having this thought this morning. I was coming into work and I was feeling like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I even said it to my husband. I said to him, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed, but I'm really trying to work through that emotion. Cause I know that is not a helpful emotion. You know why? You know what happens when I feel overwhelmed? I decide I'm going to go get a snack before I start working. And then before I actually start doing some effective action, I might check my email for the billionth time. Or if it's evening, I might watch Netflix. (laughs) It's literally what happened to me this past week. I binge watched Bridgerton on Netflix. And my husband was like, are you okay? Like, this is not you. What is going on? You are are being ineffective, (laughs) right? He didn't say those words, but that's what was happening. So when we're feeling overwhelmed, we do all these things to not feel that emotion because it doesn't feel great, right? It's called buffering. So staying up late, that's what I was doing, staying up late, watching Netflix. It was not wanting to face the work that I have, which of course produces more work and more opportunity for overwhelm, right? So it's just such a cycle where you don't move forward effectively. So catch yourself when you're telling yourself the story, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. Like, how does that help you? How does it help us to complain to our friends and talk about how busy our life is and how we have so much stuff to do and we rattle on about to-do lists and it's almost like we're competing to out-busy one another, right? Like, there's no badge of honor in that. So what if we just changed the language that we use and we came back to... What's one thing I can do right now? That's actually the question I asked myself this morning. What is one thing I can do? And I came up with, I can record this podcast and I can share with you because I've been avoiding it because I've been overwhelmed and I'm watching Bridgerton, right? So what is one thing I can do right now? How can I be present in this moment? It's the opposite of mindless snacking when you're present in the moment. That's the opposite of wanting to distract yourself away from the overwhelm by buffering and doing other things. It's the very opposite. So how can I be present in this moment? And the the other question is, what's my next step? Often we're caught up in this like long to-do list. And I love to-do lists. I love checkboxes. I have like different colored pens. I'm all into that. I'm very type A. But sometimes I'll see these long checklists and it's, I I don't know where to start. So a really great question is, what's my next step? So those are the four phrases I wanted to offer you. I don't know I'm confused, I'm too fill in the blank, and I'm so busy or overwhelmed. I want you to start noticing when you're indulging these little sneaky thoughts that can be disempowering because disempowering thoughts leave us a victim of our circumstances and we diminish the experience of our our life. And I don't want that for you. Everything that I teach, what I'm working toward in my life, what I want for my clients— What I want for you listening is to improve the experience of your life, to live it to the fullest, whatever that means for you, to live and die fully emptied out, right? Like you brought everything to this earth. You did all the things. You've lived your purpose and you are empty at the end of it. That's what I want. Maybe that's not what you want, but that's what I want for me. I'm inviting you on that journey. And such a big part of that is taking ownership over our choices, over our possibilities, taking our personal power back. And that is why this work is so valuable. I hope that was helpful. Send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know if this resonates with you. Have a lovely week, everyone. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.